Welcome to First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. Well, our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 57 through 62. It says this, As Jesus and his disciples traveled along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds in the sky have nests, but the human one has no place to lay his head. Then Jesus said to someone else, follow me. And he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of God's kingdom. Someone else said to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to those in my house. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for God's kingdom. If you would, please pray with me. God, your extravagant love has called us together. Long before we even knew you, you already knew us and had chosen to be part of your family. And so we come before you with praise and thanksgiving, offering the worship of our hearts and our lives and opening ourselves to the prompting and leading of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would just receive our worship, our praise and prayers and offerings May the time that we spend here in your presence help us live fully in you. Amen. Well, today we continue our sermon series, Jesus versus Christianity. And in this series, we have been looking at some of the ways that Christians have gotten it wrong. If we look at the church, sometimes we see that it doesn't always align with the things that Jesus taught. Last week, we talked about how the church has this model of believe, behave, belong, of inviting people to be a part of the church, right? If you believe what we believe and you behave the way that we think that you should behave, then you can come and belong to our church. But that this wasn't the way that Jesus did it. He flipped it, right? He invited people to come and to belong. And once they belonged, he began to teach them how they ought to live differently, how God calls them to live. And when they began to live differently, they began to change their lives and be created to be more like God had meant them to be. And then they began to believe. And so last week, the challenge was for the church to be a church that invites people to belong and to follow Jesus, right? Including people who don't necessarily come believing the things that we believe or behaving the way that we believe Jesus taught us to behave. But it is in the belonging that people's lives are transformed and they begin to come to know Jesus and to believe. But just because Jesus makes it easy for us to follow him, it doesn't mean that it's easy to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I I can sing. Maybe a few of you have heard me try to croak out of tune. I usually try to avoid anybody being tortured with that. But even though I can technically sing, I'm not a singer by any means. Right? Today we're celebrating the gifts of music um, in our church, our chancel choir, our bell choir, People who practice, right, to be good musicians, right? Singers who practice how to sing so that they're actually singers. They're not just singing, (laughs) right? There's this distinction between singing and being a singer, right? I can sing, but I cannot be a singer. (laughs) 
Similarly, it's the same in fouling Jesus, right? We can foul Jesus, but that doesn't mean that we are foulers of Jesus. So early in Jesus's ministry, lots of people were following Jesus, right? He begins to gain popularity. People hear rumors about this guy who is able to do miracles. He heals the sick. He casts out demons, and they want to come see who he is. Right? And scripture literally tells us thousands of people come and gather to watch Jesus preach and teach and maybe get a glimpse of him doing a miracle. But as Jesus' ministry continues, there's this shift. We begin to see Jesus do fewer and fewer miracles. And he starts to talk more and more about how hard following Jesus would be. And that it wouldn't always be easy. It wouldn't be fun. It, would be times when it would actually require sacrifice to be a fowler. And the closer and closer the time came to Jesus' death on the cross, the more and more he challenged the people to be fowlers and not just to follow him. He's challenging them to make a commitment, right? Just like our choir commits to being here every week, practicing for hours on Wednesday night, and then coming in early on Sunday morning and practicing some more so that they can sound so beautiful, singing my favorite song, by the way, Amazing Grace, for you this morning. Right? That's what Jesus is beginning to challenge these people who have been following him to do, to commit, to move from just following to being followers. Right? It's easy to foul when it's the popular thing and everybody's doing it, right? Everybody's fouling Jesus right now. Let's get on the bandwagon. But when there's a cost, it's a lot harder to continue to foul and actually move to being a fouler. Being committed is really this difference between just fouling Jesus and being a fouler of Jesus. Right? I can sing, but being committed to being a singer takes a lot more than just getting up here and trying to croak out a song. But so often we want to follow Jesus when it works for us, right? when it's convenient for us. But as soon as it starts to interfere with our plans, like we're out, right? In our passage today from the Gospel of Luke, we begin to see this shift in Jesus' ministry, to calling people from just following to really calling them to commit and be followers. Jesus, just prior to the passage that we had read, announces that he will soon die, right, and be rejected. And he is beginning that journey to Jerusalem where he knows he'll die on the cross. And on the journey, he encounters these three men who express this willingness to foul him. But Jesus challenges each of them. Are you really foulers? Are you really committed? Or are you only going to foul me when it's convenient for you? So the first man, um, and he's up, right? And he maintains, no matter what, Jesus, I'm going to foul you. But he hadn't really thought it through, right? What would it really mean to follow Jesus no matter what? 
And so Jesus responds to, responds to him saying, foxes have dens and birds in the sky have nests, but the human one has no place to lay his head. It's kind of this sort of cryptic response. But Jesus says following him means right, giving up the comforts that we enjoy and perhaps take for granted. It doesn't mean that we have to give up everything that we have, sell our home so we have right, no nest or no den. But Jesus is challenging us to consider, is following him more important than our personal comforts? Or are we only choosing him when it's convenient to, to us? And as soon as it makes our lives a little uncomfortable and no longer convenient, we no longer want to foul. Jesus then actually reaches out to the next man and, and invites him to come and foul. And the man replies, Lord, first just let me go and bury my father. Now, most scholars would say that he probably didn't literally need to go to bear, literally go bury his father at this time. Like, it's not really likely that he was following Jesus after his dad had just passed away, right? But that this is more of a saying that people would use, and even today in the Middle East, it's a saying that people will say that means that they're committed to taking care of their parents, right? Whether it's because they're ill and frail in the older part of their life, or maybe there's a family business that they're committed to um, helping continue on. And so the man says, well, I have this commitment to my family first, but as soon as my father passes away and I'm free and available, I'll come and follow you, Jesus. I just can't do it right now. And again, Jesus responds, and let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the good news of God's kingdom. Right? Jesus is pushing back. Right? His response is basically, let the spiritually dead attend to that matter, but your job is to go proclaim my kingdom. Right? If you're really committed to following Jesus, then the commitment needs to be greater than that commitment to your family. And I don't think that means that Jesus is saying we're supposed to neglect our families in order to follow Jesus. Right? And I know pastors who have done that, right? That are so committed to church and feel like that's their first call that their family takes second fiddle. But I do think that there are times that we prioritize our family as an excuse to serving God. There's always something, right, that has to be done before we follow Jesus. Something that seems more urgent. I mean, we're called to be mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. We're called to pay attention to those relationships. But ultimately, if we don't put our relationship with God first, we can't successfully honor any of those other relationships, right? Because we need God to inform us on how we best love one another. And without that, those other relationships can never flourish. So then another person speaks up to Jesus and says, I will follow you, Lord, but first I just need to say goodbye to those in my house. Right? He's eager. He's actually stepping out and volunteering to follow Jesus rather than Jesus asking him to come and foul. 
but he just has one request to go and say goodbye to his loved ones. Like one stipulation, right? And Jesus replies, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for God's kingdom. In other words, his followers have to be focused on him and on his purposes for their lives, right? Their hearts can't be divided between him and living the life that they used to have. Maybe a better analogy than a hand on the plow today, because probably not very many of us are plowing fields anymore, although... They are. Yeah, I was going to say, on the way up um, to dropping Ethan off in Petoskey, um, on, along the expressway, I saw Amish um, with, you know, like four quarter horses plowing the field um, on Friday. So some of us do. Probably none of us do, though. <laughs> Maybe a better analogy is looking in the rearview mirror of our cars. Right? And what happens if you spend all your time looking in the rearview mirror and not looking at what is ahead of you in the car? Right? Eventually, you'll crash. Right? If we want to be a follower of Jesus, we have to focus on him and not looking back to the life that we used to live before we were followers. Because if we do, we're going to crash. Right? We can't serve God's purposes and live the way that we lived before we were followers. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, I feel like, man, Jesus is being really hard on these people, (laughs) right? Like, you can't go say goodbye to your family, or you can't put your kids in front of all the things that you're called to do at church. You know, like, what's up, Jesus? I feel like Jesus has this urgency as he's traveling to Jerusalem. And he knows what is about to come. The closer he gets to the cross, how much harder it will be for all these people who have been fouling him to actually be committed to be fowlers. And he just wants to be honest with them that fouling him and actually convict, being um, you know, convicted and to do the things that he's calling us to do, it's not going to be easy. And he wants them to know that before they get to Jerusalem. And we see in that final week of Jesus' life that most people who fouled Jesus weren't willing to be foulers when things got tough. Right? Initially, the crowd welcomes him into Jerusalem joyfully, right? They welcome him like a king. But when Jesus is arrested days later, even the disciples flee. The only one that sticks around at all is Peter, who sort of secretly fouls him to where the religious authorities are questioning Jesus. And he stands out in the courtyard, and what does he do? He denies him three times. When things got tough, right, they weren't really committed to being followers. And then when Jesus is brought before Pilate, right, no one stands up for him. Instead, the crowd yells to Pilate to have him crucified. And as he hung on the cross, there were only a few followers who stood beside him. His mother, a few women, and the beloved disciple. This passage, it challenges us, those of us who want to follow Jesus, but on our own terms, right? When it's comfortable, when it's on our timeline, when it fits into our schedule. 
I think, in fact, Jesus' words may be more important for us to hear today than when he first spoke them. We live in a world where we just want everything to be convenient, right? And that's our expectation, that things will just be convenient for us, right? Whether it's our microwave meals or delivered groceries right to our home from ship or Amazon delivering everything you want within 24 hours sometimes. (laughs) Or one of my favorite devices in my home is I have one of those robot vacuum cleaners that just automatically cleans my vacuums in my floor every day. Or dishwasher where you just load everything and they all come out crystal clean at the end. And everybody in my household actually thinks that that thing loads itself. (laughs) But it doesn't. For those of you who think it loads itself, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right? In every aspect of our lives, we're looking for ways for things to be easier, to be convenient. The businesses are out to figure out how they can make things more convenient for us so they can sell us those conveniences and fulfill our every desire to have things just be easy. And if we're honest, we often have the same expectation of the church. And as a church leader, it feels like you're constantly trying to figure out how do you make things more convenient for people to follow Jesus, right? Right? What worship time is going to work best for everybody? You don't want it too early because people can't get up in time, but you don't want it too late because people can't get to lunch on time. And now we have Facebook so people can watch it whenever they want, right? And they don't actually have to come and be a part of the community of faith with one another. They don't have to get out of their PJs, right? Or they want to come and have coffee and it needs to be the right temperature and the right kind of coffee with all the right condiments you put in there. I don't know. I'm not a coffee drinker. My last church was really into coffee. It was so frustrating to me because I don't even drink it and I don't even understand what the big deal is. But they want to come and have the perfect coffee so they don't have to stop at Starbucks or Big B's on the way in. And we want the right atmosphere, right? The right temperature as the air conditioner turns on. That feels good. (laughs) The right music, the right furniture, the right paint colors, like many churches have gone down over paint colors, right? We want the children's ministry to be great so that they're super excited to get up in the morning and come and you don't have to fight with them. Or so they're not in worship and we don't have to hear them and they're happy down there. (laughs) We want to make a difference in our community, but we don't actually want to spend time serving. We want a good sermon, but we don't actually want to be challenged because we're kind of comfortable right where we are. We don't want to talk about money, but we want everything that we want paid for. We don't want to be bothered, but we expect everybody to know our names. And we don't want to be served, but we expect to be served when we come here. Right? We expect the same level of convenience in church that we do in the rest of our lives. And I don't think that we're intentionally doing that, but if we're honest about it, we kind of want church to be convenient, don't we? I saw this little comic that said, light church, right, instead of life church, like life-giving church, it was light church. It said 24% fewer commitments, the home of the 7.5% tithe, 15-minute sermons, 45-minute worship, 
Only eight commandments. You get to choose which eight you want to foul. Everything you want in church and less. <laughs> right? But Jesus is challenging those following him because he knew being a follower would be hard. He knew what laid ahead. But he also knew that being a follower had the power to change lives. And so he invites them to commit. And he's inviting us to be more than someone who simply fouls Jesus. He's inviting us to be fowlers, right? He's inviting us to commit. I have to say the pandemic has been a hard time to commit, (laughs) right? Sometimes serving Jesus feels risky, I think of the so many who came in and served our community through the little downtown pantry in those first months of the pandemic when we weren't even worshiping and everything was locked down still, but they were willing to take the risk to serve Jesus. And in the midst of all the economics and certainty of this pandemic, so many who continued to give and support the church, some even giving more knowing that the church was struggling financially. Or the many of you who needed to learn new things and had to figure out how to use Facebook to worship or Zoom to attend a Bible study. Right? Church is challenging right now. It isn't easy. And churches are easing back to sort of their pre-pandemic routines. Right? 97% of churches are back to having in-person worship. 87% have relaunched their in-person children's ministries as of last month. But that doesn't mean it's problem-free. Right? Churches have taken a hit during the pandemic. It's hard for churches to provide all the things that they once provided on the shoestring budget that they have. One study found that one in four pre-pandemic churchgoers have not returned to in-person worship. It's not an easy time for the church, and it's not an easy time to be a follower of Jesus. There's times when faith isn't easy or convenient. And that's true for the church right now. But Jesus is calling us to go and spread the good news of God's kingdom. But how do we do that with less money, less people, less certainty? It's going to require us to be committed and not just expect church to be a place of convenience that meets our needs when and how we want them met. Here's the thing, is that when we get through those seasons that are difficult, those seasons of sacrifice, we get to experience new life on the other side. Right? That's the good news of Easter. Jesus would sacrifice his life for us, but there was resurrection and new life after that. And it's in Jesus' resurrection that we have hope in this time when things aren't easy when we need to sacrifice to be followers of Jesus Christ. That we also, though, have this opportunity to witness new life and resurrection. And so it's my hope that you'll be followers of Jesus. 
that you're willing to follow Jesus, not just when it's easy and not just when it's convenient and not just when it serves your needs, but also when it's hard. And that you might experience resurrection and new life here at Mount Pleasant first. So if you would, please pray with me. God, we confess that we often follow you only when it's convenient. But today we pray that you would push us and help us to make a commitment to you to follow. And when we are in those times that are tough, when things aren't easy, when following you requires sacrifice, we pray that you would help us to continue to follow you, trusting that on the other side is new life and the promise of resurrection. Amen.